Man, I love our intro. What's up, everybody? What's good? What is happening? Welcome to the Just Joking Podcast. I am one half of the Podcast King. And I'm Joe. And we are coming at you live in full effect on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us at the Just Joking Podcast if you are listening to this on the audio playback. But for this, this is live on YouTube and Facebook. So if you're catching this live or if you're catching this on the replay, do us a favor. Hit that like button. The Just Joking Podcast is a podcast and a live stream in which Joe and I talk about whatever we want to talk about but the space is typically around military subjects what's going on in the world mental health uh and everything all wrapped up in between and all through all of that okay so joe what's up man what's good what's cracking what's going on man um so nothing new uh, well some new stuff um got a new job um hey, gonna hold, start. On. hold on yeah there we go. <laughs> yeah, got a new job. Going to be starting that in about three weeks. Um, just broke the news to my current employ employer job, and uh, so that was nice. It was is is good to get that like weight off my chest because it was causing me a lot of anxiety. Just you know, kind of like you know, not being fully honest with people, but I had to, because, um, I had lost a previous, uh, opportunity because of COVID, mm -hmm. uh, because of the shutdown and, and things just stopped moving. And it, the, the process took so long that they just pulled the position. So I had to wait to a new position opened up in the location or the area I wanted to go to. So now, uh, now I got it. Now it's starting here in a, in about three weeks and, it's nice to finally get that all off my chest and uh, start that ball rolling. Let's go. So is it around the same current job or career that you're doing right now? Yes. Yeah, same career. A uh, little bit of a promotion, which is nice. Uh, every little bit counts, you know. And let me ask you this. What were the steps that was involved? Did you have to rewrite your resume? Was there an interview? Was the interview in person? What kind of prep did you do for it? So, um, I, t I typically rewrite my resume every, every three to four months anyways. Um, I, I, I constantly look, even if I'm at a position that I really enjoy, um, because you just never know stuff comes up or a new position. That's just really cool. Um, I typically update it three to four months, but I also will, uh, update it based off of an announcement that I'm interested in. Um, because a general um, a general resume works, but it's not going to make you shine. So rewriting your previous experience in a way that's relevant to the announcement that you want um, is is always a smart thing to do. It's always a really good thing to do because, there's a lot in the resumes as it is, especially um, de depending on where you work and what you do. Um, but it's great to put the relevant information towards the top. That's that's a big key. Um, and showing which positions highlight the, the correct uh, experience or skills that you're trying to talk about. So um, 
every three to four months and then, you know, based off of position. So when this position was announced that I wanted, uh, I redid the resume specifically for this one um, because I had had a previous position that worked in the same domain. Okay. Same environment. There we go. So um, it kind of really, it really was one of those things where I had um, perfect prior experience to work for where I'm going to be working at. So really excited. Um, Resumes, people don't understand the importance of just how good the resumes are. Um, It was supposed to be an in-person interview, but then somebody on the panel uh, got uh, sick or something and they had to do it virtually, which is fine, which works for me. Um, I feel like my appearance might be a little, uh, jarring for some people in the, who, who who work where I work. So it's like, I, and that's on me. That's, that's not necessarily fair to professionals. You know what I mean? Like they can make professional decisions, but in my head, I was like, mm, I, I kind of like the virtual thing. Cause I, I know I look crazy with the giant beard and the long hair and all that stuff. So we are going to talk about that a little bit later on. Actually, that speaks to, it's kind of funny because you bringing up, your job and me asking questions as you were talking about it. I said, Oh, this is perfect because part of the main thing that we're talking about today is that transition of service members, whether it was four years, six years, 10 years, or 20 plus uh, some of the things that we've observed that happened with us uh, over about 10 years ago. And even now to this day that uh, we can kind of leave out there as tidbits or our observations of what we've noticed. Now, this isn't going to be an all-encompassing list. We don't have enough time for that. But what I'm also going to do as well for the people that will check this out, after this live stream is done, if you come back to our Facebook page, which is in the description link, or YouTube, I'm also going to include resources, resources that help me, resources that I've sent the other veterans about resume writing, dress and appearance, how to do interviews, all of that stuff. I'm going to put it in a one-stop shop. So I'm going to do a lot of the work for you because if you go to Google, yeah, you can go to Google and there's a, a ton of information, a lot of different links and stuff, but I'm going to bubble up some of the uh, succinct and uh, easy to kind of navigate links that you can go to, the, um, you know, maybe you can share this page with that person as well to just hear our experiences and also have access to those links. So uh, if you're listening to this on audio, come over to the Facebook or YouTube page. If you're watching this on um, those pages, then we're going to have the links in there after the show. Um, so that's so how, you, how you doing? Hey, brother, I am living the dream. And I always say that and laugh because there's this one particular person. Shout out to Daz. I used to be stationed with him. He was a pilot in the Air Force. I want to say he's out now, but he used to always say, hey, man, I'm living a dream. Always a positive person. I reach out to him from time to time because he he thinks different. And that's mm-hmm. something that I like to do as well. I like to think a little bit different, man. But for me, man, dude, my health is, you know, good for as much as one can be when you have cardiac disease, um, you know, life's good, man. I'm 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 stress free at the moment, so you know I can't complain. I don't have a new job or a promotion, but I love where I'm at. I love the team that I'm working with, and I don't plan on changing that anytime soon. Yeah, 
<laughs> That's good, man. That's good. Our yeah, work. me, I'm one of those people where I typically move around a lot, like from position to position every about five-ish years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably a bad habit just from, from time served in the military. And um, But I think with this one, I might stick with this one for about 10 years. Yeah, I mean, there's some pros and cons to it. Like, for example, you and I were both in over nine years, and what you, what you observe, whether you're enlisted or military, is that you move around every three to four to five years. You don't really stay in one place if you're active duty like that that often. Yeah. And there's a lot of good and bad that comes with that. The bad is you don't get that consistency, that local SME, which is subject matter expert, in that unit, in that field, or like that area. But the pros are you get the chance to get to a different culture because whether you're doing the job in Idaho or Mississippi, if your job title is the same, there's not going to be a lot that's different. You might have to account for where you're at per se, but there's not going to be a lot that's different about the job. But what will be different is the culture of where you're at, the location, not just at the base, but outside of the base as well. So um, now that I've been out, I've seen value in sticking in one place. Mm-hmm. I've been at the same job since 20, what, 2015, 2016. And for me, like, like I said, it it's a good fit right now. There's been a couple of internal promotions that have worked out for me. And... Unless something changes, I'll turn around and win one of these mega millions of Powerballs here. That's almost five hundred million. I'm, I like the work that I do. I'll say what I do for the people out there. I work IT for the VA, and the services and things that I work for, I'm also a user of. So I have a vested interest when I go to log into VA.gov, and I understand that I have to use an API, which is an application programming interface. That helps me not just log into one system, but several other systems. And that as long as that API works good, I should be able to get into those other systems seamlessly. 99% of the time, it works as advertised. That 1% that it doesn't, it usually gets fixed pretty fast. So um, I don't work healthcare VA. I always have to tell people that because people who or benefits. Hey, man, I'm trying to figure out. Hey, I'm trying to figure it out, too. <laughs> Ain't we all? <laughs> um, but for the most part, I like what I do. I'm in, I'm directly impacted by the work that I'm doing as well. So I have a vested interest in not just doing a quality job myself, but making sure that the team that's around me, whether they're veterans or not, also is doing a quality job. So let's get into today's story we only have one story today and then we're going to get into the main topic which is things to consider as you're getting out if you're a veteran and we've already kind of talked about some of it but i'm going to share my experiences joe's going to share some of his experiences if we have any live viewers on i'd like to get the live viewers if you have any tips to contribute as well and we'll talk about those for the people that might be listening and then We will close out with a word of the day and wrap this show up. So, Joseph, a.k.a. Nemo, have you heard of the word 
incel. Yes. What is the word incel to you? So, as I understand it, it means involuntarily celibate. Okay. And celibate's a big word. What does celibate mean? No sex. No sex. So, does that mean BJ's off the table as well? I think when... When used in the context of the people who describe themselves as such, I think it means that there's just nothing going on. Okay. All right. So INCEL, which is short for involuntary celibate, that's I-N-C-E-L. And it's a word that I was only recently introduced to within maybe the last two years. I don't know. Did you hear of that, that word prior to 2020? Yeah. I mean, I've been on the internet a long time. Okay, it's been, it's been around a hot minute. <laughs> See, and you know that's interesting to hear that from you because I had only heard about it when it was involving a shooting, mm. and there seems to be a negative connotation around the word incel. So my reason for bringing this story up is I kind of want to challenge the negative connotation that goes around the word, and I'm going to challenge it. Not just to the viewers, but uh, to you as well. So I'm going to share my screen and bring up the first story. And I want you to read the headline. So the headline, and this was from justice.gov, uh, all right? So this was from a federal website, Office of Public Affairs. Ohio man pleads guilty to attempting hate crime. The defendant plotted to conduct a mass shooting of women so this is very specific for what he was wanting to accomplish and let's read what happened a local self-identified incel these are the first five words of this press release pleaded guilty in u.s district court for the southern district of ohio today for attempting to conduct a mass shooting tress ginko of women yeah, of women. Uh, what That's I very said. important. No, you didn't say anything oh. after mass shooting. It's very important that that those those all of that is connected because it 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 it, it reads for a reason that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now Trace Ginko, which I have to look him up. He's a you know what? I'm gonna see if I can bring him up real quick because I I don't want to miss miss uh mislabel the guy all right but here's what he looks like all right this is a picture of a face right here okay so this guy right here 22 admitted he plotted to commit a hate crime which is funny that it's read this way too he pleaded guilty or admitted that he plotted to commit a hate crime namely that he planned to shoot women at a, a university and was arrested in July of 2021 and has been in custody ever since. No bail for him, okay? Mm. Uh, and this is being quoted as saying the assistant attorney general, the gender-based hate and bias-motivated threat of violence exhibited by this defendant simply has no place in our society. The Department of Justice will remain steadfast in our efforts to investigate and prosecute those who carry out or attempt to carry out gender-based hate crimes to the fullest extent of 
the law. She said Ginkgo formulated a plot to kill women and, in, and intended to carry it out. Let's see. Hate has no place in our country, including gender-based hate. And we will continue to work with our law enforcement partners to vigorously prosecute any such conduct. I thought that this was uh, a pretty interesting part to include, including gender-based hate. All right. Thankfully, our law enforcement partners working closely together prevented a deadly spree. Hey, bravo. Bravo. All right. They go into some other stuff here. But there's a part that I wanted to highlight. Ginkgo, identified as an incel or involuntary celibate. The incel movement <laughs> is an online community of predominantly men who harbor anger towards women i disagree with this i disagree with this sentence right here the incel movement is an online community of predominantly men who harbor anger towards women now the reason why i disagree with it is this okay if you're an incel what are your reasons for choosing to go that route and hear me out hear me out because in today's society right you uh, Access to sex, to, uh, I think you're misinterpreting the title. Ooh, Involuntarily okay. means they're not doing it of their own volition, but it's being forced upon them by other people. They're putting the onus on the uh, uh, on the person who's not giving them the sex. It's yeah, but... involuntarily celibate. They're saying they don't want to be celibate. But they have to be because the other people are not giving them the sex that they think they deserve. See, that's it's where in the I, title. But see, that's where I challenge the the label, though, because if you were to say this is a self-imposed label, this is not a label other people have given them. They're choosing mm, to call themselves that. No, uh, the, the, my, at the very beginning of the article, he said a self-identified incel. Yes. Now, but. My my reasoning for saying that I think guys like this, they choose to be self-imposed because other people, in my opinion, impose it on them. And bro, in today's society, it's easy to pay for sex. So if these guys really wanted to get some, let's say they couldn't use game looks and charm or whatnot. If you got money, hey man, there's escorts <laughs> or people simply seeking to pay their rent that they can go and reach out to. So to mm -hmm. say that they're involuntarily celibate you to do, me, you do understand they call themselves that, right? I hear you say that, but my, my counter to that is they're calling themselves that because they're allowing other people to call them an incel. I don't that, think that's that, how that works. If you call yourself something, it's not because you're allowing other people to call you that. You're calling yourself that because that's what it is. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I went monk mode for six months. All right. And my reason for going monk mode was I wanted to see if I could not be ruled by, you know, biology and my urges, right? Mm -hmm. And in that six months, man, uh, was there temptation? Yes. My reason for involuntarily, I'm sorry, 
voluntarily choosing to be celibate. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, hold on. That's the difference. I'm going, I'm going to wrap this in, though. I'm going sure. to wrap this in. My reason for voluntarily choosing to be celibate was to um learn how to control my myself. I right? not be thinking about sex or anything like that and focus on building up myself. So self-imposed. Self-imposed. So it was a self-imposed celibacy voluntarily. All right. I think that if somebody identifies as incel, they're not trying to identify as incel. They're allowing somebody else to label them as an incel and they just accept it. And that's where I think that the mindset of that can be changed. How does one determine if a person is involuntarily celibate? The uh, essentially to label somebody involuntarily celibate. How do you, how do you know? You can't label somebody something if you don't know what they are or what they do. Bingo. These, Self-identifying as incel is not allowing somebody else to label you. You are labeling yourself. You, you are you are doing some heavy mental gymnastics here. <laughs> like, I mean, if I call them something else, that's me labeling them. If they are, if they legitimately have a website for incels identify themselves as incels and somebody else calls them an incel the other person did not in any way label them something they weren't already calling themselves like they are identifying themselves as incels because they are putting the onus of their celibacy on someone else not on themselves that's why it's called involuntary celibate if they were voluntarily celibate it would be a different title and a different label. Vol, vol sale. So was I vol sale for those six months, Joe? You were monk mode. It's fine. It's it's just not the same thing. And hmm. I, it's not the same thing even remotely. Now, somebody throwing the word incel at somebody because somebody says something um, inappropriate or something they don't like. Because, you know, people just love to just label somebody if they're just anti whatever the person's talking about uh, they just love to throw some shit around because they think it makes them win the argument yep. and they just he's oh a, you're an incel he's a that's a different that's a different story that's a completely different story but if they've literally created a haven for incels call themselves incels they are not being labeled by other people they are controlling the narrative of their own label that's a very different story Hmm. I'm gonna have to think on that a little bit more then because I hear what you're saying. I just don't agree. <laughs> now don't mean, don't mean you're right, but that's okay. It's okay. That's true. That's true. Now, this guy uh did some or uh would have conducted some very heinous things. Now, yeah. it uh there were several documents that he did from it says a popular website. Uh, from at least July of 2019 through mid-March of 2020, and he posted hundreds of times on this site. Why you would go post posting on a public page or private, whether it's private, it's still it's still data, right? It's still out there. A warrant can get access to these 
things. If you don't faces. think there's federal agents or oh. federal monitoring of all public websites, you're nuts. Yep, they are all, all that are already. Well, that's the on thing these you gotta sites. understand. You gotta understand. People want to be able to say whatever they want. They want to have the freedom to say whatever they want. We've talked about this before. You absolutely have the right to say whatever you want, but you are not free of the responsibility of what comes from what you say. Yep. So, but the, these people, they want a place where they can go and they can share their thoughts and they can share their beliefs. And so they created a website because they feel like if, if the only people tuning into that website are just the people who feel the same way, then it's not a big deal unless they start saying things like they're going to harm other people. And that's when federal agents and other people start tuning in and like, oh, okay, we got to shut this or not shut this down, but we got to take this person into custody and, and talk to them. And that's probably what happened. Yeah. You got a little too rambunctious. Now, this guy in one post was uh, talking about going on, and I'm just going to shorten it here, but uh, conducting some uh, mock shooting with juice yeah. out of a water gun, violence against women and couples. So, he, so according to this guy, which I'm going to label him on the extreme side of, of the word, because that's something that I want to talk about later is. Do you look at all incels similarly based on the history of what some incels have done? Um, so I'm going to want to bring that up later. But in May of 2014, there was a guy, Elliot Roger. This was a very large case. Like It's fun, kind of funny because I forgot about this case until I read the name. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That kind of goes to show how some things, when it happens, it happens. And unless you're intimately involved with it like you're just going to forget until the next big thing pops up but uh this guy rogers back in 2014 killed six people and injured 14 others and a lot of what elliot rogers had in his manifesto was about being an incel and having hate towards the opposite gender which to me is interesting because of this <sighs> that gives a lot of power external to yourself and also what when does? i when i look at what sex does to different people i find it interesting that uh sexual feelings sexual activities can literally ruin a person's life whether they're getting it or not yeah, you know, totally. This, this, there are people that get they get angry at the opposite sex, or let's say they're attracted to the same sex. Is I don't, I don't know you. Hey, this is twenty twenty two doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Sex in general is sex. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, if you're not getting any sex, that drives you to lose your mind. <sighs> I can't understand that, man. I mean. I can. I mean, you got monks out here living in Tibet and uh, temples. <laughs> you don't see them out there. But uh, the key, the key. Voluntary versus involuntary. No, no. Oh. The connotation of voluntary versus involuntary, though. Okay. 
they, the incels are putting the responsibility of their lack of sex on someone else. They're blaming mm -hmm. someone else. They're saying the other person is controlling their sex life or all women or all men or all anyone other than themselves are controlling their sex life. That's, that's the difference. Monks go and do it because they want to do it. And sex isn't an issue for them because they're not thinking about it. And the onus of their celibacy is on themselves because they control that. I think, like you said earlier, anybody could have sex anytime, legally, morally, you know what I mean, in 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 a normal fashion, whatever normal looks like, without hurting anyone, with 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 approval, you know what I mean, with with you know, um, that can happen. I think the people who are struggling with this are having issues dis discovering stuff about themselves. They just have to look inside. They just have to figure out what it is that they're doing wrong. And that's okay. It's okay to say I'm doing something wrong. I'm not saying there's not something up because dude, some, some of us are just fucking weird, dude. Like, and, and like, I'm, I'm fucking weird, man. Like I'm, it's not like people were just throwing sex at me. You know what I mean? Like when I was younger, it wasn't, it was very different, but like, that's the thing is you, you gotta, you got to take some ownership on yourself. Hmm. There's no grand conspiracy that, that women are going to stop you from having sex. Like they're not doing it to you specifically. Yes. Like they, they have the right to say no to whomever they choose to. And <laughs> let's just put it this way. More often than not, they're saying no, then they're saying yes. Otherwise there'd be so much goddamn dick in their life. They wouldn't be able to leave the house. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing is like, you got to understand is statistically, you're just probably, you're just, you're probably weird, but that's okay. Just, just work on yourself a little bit and don't obsess over it so much. Cause yes. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, the thing is, is I'd like to hear from somebody who's not like that guy, Genko, you know what I mean? Like, that obviously is an extreme. I bet you there's loads of dudes out there in the community who, who are not batshit crazy. Ooh, hey, there you go. Hey, look, if you're listening to this and you identify, you self-identify yeah. as, as incel, look, we'd love to have a chat with you. Yeah, Shoot us an email at just.joe.king.podcast at gmail.com or write us on our facebook page and we can set that up i'd yeah. love to chat with what you observe within the community itself what you uh why you identify as incel and what other things that uh you would like for people to know that you know you had now have a platform to speak on and we can work out the details if you don't want to show your face and name we can work out the details I'd, I'd like to authenticate that you're not just some random person um that just wants to you know come on and 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 try and get some shine but we can work out those details offline so if you identify as incel and you want to have a platform to come and speak on hit us up there's a, a couple of things that I'd want to highlight to this, and then we can move on to the main thing. This guy actually attended Army basic training 
from August through December of 2019. And it said he was discharged for entry level performance and conduct. So if I'm reading this right, he never made it out of basic training, but that's a long time period to he be got recycled. Yep. And so he got recycled. So, so this guy, he's he had issues. I mean, even if the army's like, you know, you're awkward, bud. You know, maybe, maybe there's there's something there. I wish army would have paid a little bit more attention. Maybe they would have been able to get him some help and we wouldn't even be in this position where he has to go to prison now. You know what I mean? Maybe they could have got him some help and he could have not been so, because what scares me is that if he made it through basic training, what he would have done with that training and how so, that would have painted veterans in a bad light. Yep. Now explain what recycled mean to those who may not know. So if something happens to you in basic training, like you get a small injury, something not too crazy where you can heal from it for a couple of weeks and then do the training again, what they'll do is they'll even sometimes it sucks because you'll be two, three, four weeks in five weeks in, and then something happens. And then you got to start the whole process over again. Um, but it happens. And I mean, for some of us who want the opportunity to serve, it is nice that they don't just kick you to the curb. They give you a, another chance. Um, there's people I've met who were recycled two or three times because of some kind of recurring injury and then eventually made it through. It sucks. It sucks a lot. But I mean, at the, honestly, basic training, uh, a lot of us look back at it like, wow, that was that was fun and amazing. It sucked. Sure. But it was fun and amazing. But yeah, it, like it sucks while you're in it, but afterwards yeah. you're like, you know what? You look back really and you're like, that bad. Yeah. <laughs> now, typically getting recycled happens for something physically related, but there mm -hmm. are other things that you can get recycled for, like failure to perform. If you can't, you know, do drill proper or recall, you know, certain basic facts that you should know as you do get quote unquote kind of tested for your you know, knowledge of the things that they're teaching you, they can recycle you back for that. I saw somebody get recycled because they didn't show remorse for something mm. that they were expected to show remorse for. So they said wrong and they just simply didn't apologize. And I thought that was an interesting reason to move somebody back in their flag. Training. Lack of remorse is a red flag. And then, uh, uh, Okay, another big one, and then we'll move on. Is fighting like I've seen, you know, like yeah, not necessarily I've seen the that fight itself, times, yeah. but the it, it's kind of like the the totality of why and like how jacked up, you know, both or uh, one person was. They'll I will psych you back for that. So for this guy who we're talking about in this article, uh, they the FBI had conducted surveillance. They um, watched him while he was exiting and uh, doing surveillance at the local college. And they moved in and took him off the streets and had enough to charge this kid for something that he was planning on doing. So bravo to the government. I'm just going to say government for um keeping us safe like you know there's some people that want to all oh, you know big brother this and big brother that hey look it's a big world i've traveled around this world and i'm, I'm going to tell you right now it's not the perfect system it's not the best system 
but I've been to some places that systems ain't as good as ours. And I challenge you to go and visit and live in those places and see if you still feel the same way. All right. Do you have anything to add, Joe, man, before we move on? Yeah, that's a terrible story. It is. It is, man. It's 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 good that they got the guy. Um, I think that the term incel has a lot of negative connotation to it. I think that well, it's the it same, shouldn't. it's the same as any label. That's why, honestly, you shouldn't voluntarily label yourself. Every time you put a label on yourself, you limit yourself. Mm. Like you put left and right limits on yourself. You say, I'm this, so I can't be that. And and that's just the way humans are. That's the way people, a society is. And if three people, three of your demographic do something wrong in the course of six months or a year or five years, it doesn't matter, three, four, five people, even though there could be potentially hundreds of thousands of you, doesn't fucking matter. They label the whole fucking thing. We see it as we see it as cultures. It it happens to the black community. It happens to the Spanish community. It happens anytime there's a fight. Um, you see it all the time. They label everybody. It's like all of a sudden we're all bad because a few people did something stupid or evil or awful. But you know, that society they love to do that, and then they love to demonize you. So. Mm. You label yourself, you're just giving people words to use as control, as power. Yep. There you go. So there's this term, and I've heard people mess this term up, and I'm like, no, no, no. We need to go back to square one over here with the term civilian. I was listening to this podcast, and it was, I'm just going to call them entertainers, uh, a former Navy officer who I know is doing very successfully as a entertainer, podcaster, event promoter in Vegas. And he works with a lot of, I'm just going to say adult entertainers, and they throw the word civilian out there mm-hmm. in reference to people that aren't a part of the adult of their community. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There is no changing of that word. So let's look at the word civilian. According to dictionary.com, a civilian in the noun version is a person not in the armed forces or in the police force as an adjective of denoting or relating to a person not belonging in the armed services or police. And civilians under international humanitarian law are persons who are not members of the armed forces and are not combatants. Uh, if they carry arms openly and respect the laws and customs of, of war. Now, that's important to note because if you're under a declaration of war, there's different uh, treaties and laws that apply for people that are labeled as civilians versus people that are labeled as armed forces and or militia for that area as well and 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 it's it's important to even note that distinction because you could be a part of a militia sanctioned or not and have different rules and uh things that can apply to you i learned that today man it's 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 so much gray area when it comes to the violence (laughs) and how things should be prosecuted 
that it's kind of interesting and, and you could spend oh man hours and hours and hours of just reading through military history law uh, the different applications based on what country you're in uh what war it is and man it's to me that kind of stuff is fascinating but yeah. i wanted to <laughs> go on a tangent about the word civilian because if you're an adult entertainer a civilian is not a regular person that doesn't know what your industry is uh let's get that straight and get that straight quick fast and in a hurry all right but our main i think today. i think they're still gonna do it <laughs> yeah they are. <laughs> i think i think uh i think it doesn't matter hey, i look. think and, okay. and again you got to understand too this is again the whole thing with labels right so they work in a specific industry and anyone not in that industry is, is civilian to them but i think I think what's unique about this juxtaposition is that as as sex workers or adult entertainers or whatever they want to call themselves, civilian almost means they're very they they they're um suburban. You know mm. what I mean? Like I feel like it does have connotation like doesn't necessarily mean it's because they're not in uniform it's because they would never do the things that some of these other people would do yes you know yeah. what i mean yeah I so i that. think i think almost like a colloquialism it works you know Ooh, this is what i gotta say hey michael sartain the next time somebody comes on your podcast that's in uh in the adult industry or entertainment like that and frivolously throws out the word civilian. Well, Joe just gave a good explanation as to why it can be used. But the next mm -hmm. time somebody do that as a veteran, check them, please. Thank you. Or, or have a couple of them come on our show and let's have a chat about this. <laughs> All right, man. When we were transitioning out of the military, there were a lot of unknowns. For me, mm -hmm. my transition out came very abruptly. I'm not sure if your transition from military to civilian was as abrupt as mine was. Everybody's situation is different, but there's a lot of thoughts that go into what's next. Yeah. Now, did you have an abrupt ending or was there a little bit of a heads up when you were about to transition? It's a little bit of both. It was a little bit abrupt, a little bit of transition. Like I knew, I knew I was getting out. I knew I was getting medically discharged. Uh, I was going through a med board. That process is supposed to take a certain amount of time. During that time, you're supposed to go to, they had done a whole bunch of streamlining, not streamlining, but um, they had done a whole bunch of work in the army to create uh, wounded warrior battalions where people can go and focus on getting out and getting all the resources that they needed and stuff like that. And, you know, Fort Bragg was like, fuck you. You're going to keep working every minute until you're out. And that's what they did to me. So I didn't get a chance to do any of that. I didn't have any resources given to me. I didn't have any uh, resume writing courses or I didn't get I didn't get shit. Like I literally. The, the army did the med board process, but none of the get out of the army stuff for me. 
because the unit I was in was like, no, no, you're going to work until you die, that kind of thing. And so I got lucky. Hmm. I got lucky. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had a job lined up when I got out. Mostly because I spent my entire adult life in the army and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Um, I, I had never written a resume before. They didn't provide me any resources to teach me. Like, you know, some people go through the outpro like taps, I think it's called the transition assistance program. I didn't get any of that. Um, they were like, no, no, you're going to keep working. Uh, we can't replace you, which is that horse shit. They like to throw around. Mm. basically fuck you i don't care what what happens to you i need you to keep doing this so i don't have to do it or get somebody else to do it um i got lucky my neighbor knew of a program because their father created it so you met the guy i know mm -hmm. you met the guy because we did this training program that i got in and that's so that's how that happened I still applied. I still applied. I still did everything the normal way. I like to think I got in because I deserved it, but it didn't hurt that the na my neighbor's father was the guy who created the program. So that's how that's, that's the only reason I had a job when I got out and it wasn't even guaranteed. Like I got out thinking this is my option because I never got a chance to go to any job fairs. I never got a chance to uh, speak to a counselor or anything like nothing like army mm, for Bragg said, fuck you. <laughs> uh, and I know lots of people have had better experiences with the out processing and the med board process and all that. So, but it was like, it was like, you're going to have a year long med board process. It was done in nine months and that was it. I was out the door. So it was so, chaos. <laughs> I heard that one of the things that helped you was networking. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't know that. Like, I just, I, I got lucky. At yes. the time, I didn't understand the concept of networking like that. Like Being in the lucky. army, I did it. You know what I mean? You, 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 you do stuff like that. But I... I didn't think I could go around to other active duty families and be like, Hey, do you got a place I can work when I get out? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that, kind of, that I should have been able to attend at least a couple of job fairs before I got out of the military, but it just wasn't in the cards for me. Um, and at the time I didn't, I didn't really know how to argue that or stick up for myself mm. or get myself in the wounded warrior battalion. So I could go through the process the right way. Um, and yet I landed in a job with you and a bunch of other people who were given that opportunity, the legitimate way. And to hear how good that process was, I'm like, God, damn, why could, what, what, what was it about me that I didn't deserve that too? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, um, so I'm going to share how my transition was because I alluded to my Air Force career ending abruptly. So I've shared mm -hmm. on this podcast in an earlier episode that I have a heart disease. Matter of fact, I'll tell you specifically, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. In short, there's parts of my area that's thick, which is what hypertrophic means. Uh, and long term, like that could kind of cause your heart to overwork itself. 
and you know you won't live as long as a, a regular healthy person you know would so for me i found out about my heart disease kind of by accident you can go back and listen to that story to find out you know uh how i found out and the short version of it was i knew i may not be able to stay in the service but finding out as abrupt as i did uh, caused me to now go, man, all right, I still had two years left on my, no, I had just re-enlisted as a matter of fact. So I had another three years because uh, I did an initial six-year enlistment and then I re-upped for four. And I found out maybe a nine months into my re-enlistment that I had the cardiac disease and there was a high chance that I wasn't going to be able to stay on active duty with it. So in the Air Force, at the base that I was at, because it, it, it's not just the service, but I think part of it is the climate that you're in at the time, uh, what the ops tempo is at the location that you're in, all of that stuff. For me, I was as prepared as I could have been with having the opportunity to attend what's called TAPS, which is the, the Transition, Transition Assistance, Assistance Program, yeah. Program. And I don't know if they still call it that, but there's still, by by law some different things that uh, a military service member is supposed to get as they're transitioning out. All right. And, you know, if you ask a hundred different people, you'll hear a hundred different stories as to how effective it is. But uh, you talked, so for you, you talked about not really knowing the power of networking at the time. And that's something that I want to highlight right now. The opportunities and the people that you're going to meet in your current job, if you're active duty now, you would say your current unit, okay? If you're outside of the military, your current employment situation that, that you're in now, you never know with the people that you work with, where they're going to go on to and things like that. How I found out about the job that me and you came in at the same time. Uh, a really close friend of mine who we're no longer on speaking terms <laughs> told me about the program and to apply for it. And he he harassed me about applying for it. And, and I did. And I didn't get the program that I thought I was going to be applying for, but I got referred to a different one. You know, I had never heard about this program because it was in the Delaware, Maryland, Virginia area, which is short for DMV is kind of how people say it. And I was living in Kansas. So when I made the transition after I had gotten accepted into this internship, I moved from Kansas all the way to Maryland on a little bit of blind faith, if you will, you know, hoping that this internship would would pay off. And but similar to you and how you knew about the uh, opportunity. For me, it was also um, part of my network. So I want to highlight that because both of our stories are similar in that the people that you work with, the people that you encounter, whether they're peers, subordinates, or superior, you never know what opportunity it can present itself. So for the most part, for me, my opportunities and things that I've landed, I can attribute to just doing my job and doing my job well. The job that I got right after I got my heart condition was because one of my bosses recommended me for it. Not because he like liked me, like me and him were buddy buddies, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? But mm -hmm. he knew that 
I did the job well and that there was a need for it. Um, and he recommended me for it and I got it. And it was a great bridge because it was a temporary position. And I knew that and I accepted that. But right as that position's funding ended, I had also gotten the the current job that I'm in now. So there was a, a little bit of luck in that, in that part. But the main thing that I wanted to highlight with that was that it was networking, essentially, but doing yeah. a good job where I was at that then allowed a superior mm-hmm. to recommend me for a different position that didn't it it indirectly affected him but it didn't really directly like he gained nothing from it you know what i'm saying so he recommended me for something that he didn't gain a direct benefit from it well that's when it's when you have a good leader and they care about you you know what i mean yes yes they and, want to see and, you succeed just as much as they want to succeed you know Yep. And hey, this boss ripped my behind a couple of times <laughs> because, you know, he cared about his unit. He cared about the people. And if you didn't do things proper, he would let you know about it. <laughs> but uh, there's an article that was written by Sharon Spielman on on the uh, military Times, militarytimes.com website. And I would tell people, hey, they put out some pretty interesting articles, some really good stuff that it's not going to give you a blueprint, but it's going to give you some things to think about. So I'm not going to read through this article. I'm just going to highlight a couple of different things. There was somebody who was a commissioned officer for six and a half years in the Air Force that said, uh, I was very intentional about seeking out resources to help support a successful transition. That one sentence right there to me says a lot. When I think about now, what I would do knowing what I know now to try to help myself transition out of the but, search. But Ooh. active duty, not commissioned, don't have the opportunity to actively intensefully seek resources they have to apply to taps they have to be approved by their Mm. command they have to literally be given permission to seek resources when exiting service hey is that what y'all think out there if you are a service member let me know is there literally the process is there a uh does commission always so commission in the military typically you have to have a degree in order to be a commission officer it, do they have it better when transitioning out that's what yeah y'all put it down in the comments and let us know <laughs> i feel like i feel like you know the answer to this question <laughs> i'd love to see i'd love to hear some contrary uh story where it's like as a as a young E4, I got all this. Sh- I was an E6 when I got out, man. It sucked. I bet you a bunch of young people are like, dude, nobody helped me. They made it pain in the ass. I had to ask for every time I needed to go somewhere, and they said no half the time. <sighs> they don't. Mm. I love <laughs> the military, man, but they don't care about you. <laughs> now, this person in this article 
worked as an aircraft maintenance officer where she was responsible for developing and executing maintenance support and aircraft sustainability project plans. That's that's a Joe's laughing because he knows what that's fancy for. Uh, <laughs> but her degree, her degree was in public, public relations, a field completely the opposite of either of the industries that she served in. All right. So in this article, she talks about how she went to go uh, attempt to bridge her military to civilian transition with an MBA, which is something that I have. I attained my business degree and my MBA after military service. But my reason for choosing it, even while I was in, was more because I wanted to have the ability to uh understand business processes but here's the thing here's the thing you work in an industry long enough right if you're a 20 year or even if you're a 10 year person in the military the work that you do and the skills that you can attain for working in an industry over a long period of time makes you an expert in that field if you do it long enough you don't require a degree to consider yourself proficient in an area because you've been doing it, right? You can own your own business and your business can be uh, a success or a failure, whether you have a degree or not. But the reason why I'm highlighting this is that in today's climate, having that degree can help you. And it is what it is. Right or wrong, whether you believe in it or not, it just helps you. Now, Joe, you have comments on this. I want to hear it. I, I think I think with the level of training or the style of training that happens within the military, if you are taught to do something, or more specifically, as is most often the case, you are given a task with no training no preparation, and you're told to do it. And the majority of the time, the service member will educate themselves, sort it out, make it happen, and the next thing you know, they're asked to do this all the time because they did it without question, without complaint, usually complaining but behind the scenes so nobody can hear you because what the fuck does it matter if they hear you complain? Um, and if you did it well, you are now saddled with the burden of responsibility to continuously do this because you are now the subject matter expert in something that you were not an expert in 10 minutes prior. That's that's how most of our careers go. We're given something. We're told to make it happen. We make it happen. No excuses. We just make it happen. That's how we gain expertise in things. Um, there's training for lots of stuff in the military, loads of stuff in the military. But for example, oh, no, 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 no. That's the thing. There's loads of opportunity for training. There's loads of ways to learn something new, gain expertise in things. But in my opinion, the military has a knack for giving for for just something coming up. Even though it's been done a million times or somebody's done it before, that person's not there. Or they PCS or ETS to move to a new location, if you don't know what those means. Um, and they can't pass you the information. So you got to learn how to do it all yourself. And now you're suddenly an expert in something. 
because you had to learn how to do it all yourself. Um, it happens to a lot of us. Fun, fun little story. I was working at Battalion as a commo guy, young E3, didn't know shit, didn't know anything. And one of the guys in the shop was an E4 or an E3 about to make E4. And they were moving him to one of the company shops to go work down on, on the line. And he worked with the previous E4 or corporal or sergeant. And she taught him a bunch of stuff before she went on to Korea. Right? So she PCS to go to Korea. She changed stations, went to Korea. The, the week he was supposed to take over the shop, he went AWOL. AWOL means absent without leave. Yes, without without he just left. He's like, I I don't want to do this. He left. Hey, 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 hold on. He bounced and did this. Yeah, he beat he beat feet. Beat feet. And um and guess who got to take over the combo shop? Ooh. Ho ho. And the person who was training him had already PCS'd. So you were now the de facto go-to person. As not the high, well, you were the highest ranking at the time. They could have, no, they could have just drawn straws or they might've liked the other people more than me. That's just how it fucking goes. So I got shit on, I got shit on. I got thrown into a company shop and I didn't know anything. I didn't know nothing. And you know, what's great about that? Nobody came by to show me either. Hmm. They just said, you're going to do this. And then, and then the beauty of it is, People were pissed at me for not knowing what to do. <laughs> Wait, and, so Joe, uh, oh, hold on, I, just know, I just got here or, hey, man, I, I'm not trained for this. I'm learning. You can just say that. I mean, as a non-commissioned officer of E6 and another one who was in E7, wouldn't it have behooved them to have trained me or come down every once in a while? And maybe he said, Hey, here's some books. Maybe fucking read this. Like, don't get me wrong. I definitely told some people, I don't know what the fuck to do. I was just going to ask you that. Did you raise your hand and go, Hey, Sergeant Nieves uh, does not know what the F is going on right now. Honestly, at the time too, on top of yes, on top of that is like, Everything was moving so goddamn fast. I didn't know what the fuck. To, what I, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know that I could ask for people to help. But I did tell them I don't know what I'm doing. And I mean, that should have been very fucking obvious with the fact that they purposefully trained the other guy to take over before he went AWOL. It, as normal functioning adult human beings, <laughs> the concept didn't occur to them that they should also try to do the same for me. That's why I legitimately think it's because they didn't like me. Mm. I was, I was, I was young. I was fucking, I was a shithead from New York. I, I was also very fucking weird. Like I was very awkward. Like I, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not the person I was, you know, 20 something years ago, but more specifically, I didn't connect with people like that. Like I didn't connect with people like I do with you guys. And look how long it took for you guys to be my friends. You know what I mean? Like yeah, but I'm not I'm, the easiest person to fucking get along with. No, no, I liked you from the jump. Like I, I, I liked you from the jump, but yeah. 
but also I I default like people until they give me a reason reason not, not to, like yeah. them like some of the yeah. other people that we had that <laughs> well see earned, earned yeah. their way out of you know a friendship. There's plenty of people like that in that group. But, um, <laughs> no, but like the thing is is. I get that there's a lot going on in the, in the military. This was pre 9-11, so it's not like we didn't have time on our hands. You know what I mean? It was before all the crazy nonsense of the world changed everything. Um, Ooh, and see, that's where our experience differs. You were pre-9-11. I didn't enlist until um, yeah. September of 2002. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the thing is, is now I understand there's a lot of things I could have done to help myself. As a 18-year-old just joined the military trying to fucking make it in the military, trying to understand life as an adult now, having never been one, um, I didn't know what I could do to help myself. And I wasn't smart enough to pick up a goddamn book. There was no Google you know what I mean? There was no, there was no uh, cell phone, smartphone that I could just go through real fast and, and figure out everything I needed to do. I didn't know what to do. And I, I, I fell into myself rather than try to reach out for help. I got, mm. I got super depressed and nobody came to help me until another NCO was assigned to the shop because the shop sucked. I was doing the best I could. I learned uh, several things over time. It took took time to learn them. And there were some NCOs who did reach out. But I, at the time, I didn't comprehend that they were helping me. Because I was so trapped in the in the despair and the trying to sort through everything. And But the thing was, was I was actually very good at fixing things. I was extremely good at fixing things. It was the processes of the paperwork and the supply system and ordering parts and pieces, uh, you know, uh, maintaining a supply of batteries and, and other equipments and installation yards and shit like that. There was a lot of things that it took me a long time to figure out because nobody said, these are things you need to know. And I don't know what I don't know. I, I knew how to fix all the radios and the equipment in the unit. Like I could do that blindfolded. And I did that exceptionally well. But the irony is, the irony is, is that when I started to do good and I started to get better, some of the motherfuckers would tell me I was arrogant for learning how to be the expert and being good at what I was doing. Finally, instead of being called a shitbag, I was being called arrogant. That still baffles because we talked about that on this show in one of our prior episodes uh, that it's interesting to me that instead of looking at that as 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 pride in mm. doing a job well mm. uh you had people externally uh, as a young soldier hating as a young know. soldier what do you do when you're not doing well and you're being called shit and you do do well and they call you shit you said do do and shit but what do you do? Like, what what can you pot? Like, it was it was the same kind of like it, it's it's baffled me for years. Um, I've talked about it in therapy many many times because I always was like, this is the unit I deployed to Iraq with. This is the unit I stay in t like stay in touch with. Like, these are people who I have really fond memories with. Mm -hmm. 
but none of them really know how poorly they treated me. And I don't really know how they perceived me hmm. at that time. So it's like this weird thing where we're all like remembering the good times. And they think they were really good times. And I look back at them like. I stay in touch with you guys because I have the most memory with you guys, but you guys treated me like garbage, you know, like there's a few people I really liked and loved in that unit, but they, they treated me like dog shit. And like, everybody's like, Oh, we're so proud of you you guys. You guys are doing so well and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's great, man. But you, you, you hated me. I don't know why you like me now, you know? And I, I wish I understood it. Like I don't comprehend it. This went hey. into a whole therapy session, but it's, it's, no, no, no. That was good. I'm glad that you shared it. I'd like to know for the people that get the chance to hear this, I'm actually going to chop this up and and make it a little bit more shorter and pose it as a question out there. F to the people listening, give us a critical response. I don't want to, you know, oh, he's just whatever, yada, yada, without offering anything. Yeah. For those of y'all that hear that, let us know what you think about that. Have you experienced something like that yourself put it down in the comments this is why we do this we want to knowledge share for people out there and maybe offer some solutions or some advice if you're experiencing something very similar okay so listen uh respond and let us know now joe I'm very curious. Oh, you know what? No, no, no. I have to end this real quick. There was another point in this article, and then we'll move to the word of the day and close out the show because we are over an hour. But I thought everything that we talked about was really good, so I didn't want to cut it and just kind of roll with it. This person in this story had participated in a Hiring Our Heroes fellowship program. Joy and I went through an internship that was a part of a uh cohort and a fellowship as well they also talk about these different um uh partnerships that are in place that are out there you can seek these things you can look them up hiring our heroes is very popular very front-facing you can google it and learn all about the different opportunities and things that they're a part of all of the uh, resources that can be offered as well at these events. It's not an automatic thing where, hey, I'm going to throw on a suit and show up all, you know, clean shaven and everything like that. And I'm just going to walk in and walk myself into a job. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Not anymore. But what it, <laughs> but Maybe what in it, the 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah. What it can do, though, is that it can help prepare you for what's out there it can also give you the opportunity to network with other people who are going to be there i challenge you to do this you know talk to other people who are there hear their stories if they give you the opportunity to talk share your story with them exchange phone numbers business cards linkedin all right you know, a lot of people crap on linkedin but i'm gonna tell you right now i've turned down five job opportunities over the last two years because it, while they were good opportunities, it, they're not the right fit for me because of what I have going on personally. But give me another three years and some of these opportunities come back up. Your boy may not be working and living in the conus. That's all I'm going to say. But, uh, you know, take opportunities like fellowships, internships, 
hire our heroes. I'm going to put all of this stuff in the description on the Facebook and YouTube page. Like I said, if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms, you're going to have to go over to this any of man, those two social medias to get those links. She got a fellowship working with PayPal. Mm-hmm. How many E4s and below you think they're giving that opportunity to? <sighs> now, let's shenanigans. Cl- now, shenanigans. Now, let's close on that because that's a fair point. All right. So because she was a commissioned officer, by default, she has a bit of a leg up. Does she? Because of her. Because she wasn't even working in the same career field as her diploma. Yeah, but the the having the, the fact that she was an aircraft maintenance officer, which was I bet likely you, a I lead. bet you there was an E4 who ran the entire fucking thing, did all oh. the goddamn work day in and day out for 10 years or probably higher rank than the four at the time but let's say five or six years right uh-huh not not as deserving hey hey there's the there's a tactic tactical and there's strategic the operators working at the tactical level can be just as strategic because they're the ones doing the job they can see where you can make the twists and turns mm-hmm. and 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 change in policy that can be efficient and all of that jazz just as deserving but you help yourself by hey look titles matter titles matter so you help yourself by attaining the best position that you can while you're in you know um chief master sergeant of the air force sounds a whole lot better than your you know other chief master sergeants that they have the same grade pay is a little bit different just because they you know they're the chief master sergeant of the air force but uh that chief master sergeant of the air force still and it it sucks that it's kind of this way just by title uh a major or even a captain uh can land a better position coming out of the service on certain credentials because you can have a chief master sergeant of the air force that has a doctorate's degree all right that's a different person though that's i'm you're talking outlier all right but if you're following within the normal uh uh standard of not saying you're wrong because the officers all have degrees yada 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 yeah but but majority of the time the enlisted do all a lot of the work more most of the work most Mm -hmm. let's say most of the work because the officers sure as shit aren't doing it (laughs) they don't want to Depending on where you are, <laughs> depending on where you are and what you're doing, mm. at some but, point, at some point, the officers stop being part of that work and they become part of management. And once they're part of management, that's all they're doing is management. I, I, see, I there are plenty of it. officers who know loads of shit. Like there, there's plenty of officers who are very hands-on and <laughs> and integrated <laughs> in the process. I'm sure there's plenty, but in my in 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 the experiences that I had, and I had a lot of great officers that I worked for and worked with, and there were some who were exceptionally hardworking, but there were many who were not, and just. Hey. Out of the simple fact that they have a degree means they automatically are more qualified is not true. Yeah, it's not 100%. true, but 100%. it's 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 a whole nother conversation. Hey, but hey, more they, deserving they is not true. That's yeah. the thing. It feels like 
it feels like when it comes down to opportunities, they save the good ones for the officers and for the people with big titles like Sergeant Major. Like I get that be- getting Sergeant Major is a lot of work and it takes dedication and stuff like that. But you're telling me an E4 who knows the work and can do the job couldn't potentially be more beneficial to a company when that Sergeant Major's already retired once and probably will retire again soon? Hey, they could. Now the onus is up to that individual person to highlight themselves and mark. It's not an automatic market. Like if I'm a command sergeant major, I automatically have a a a marketable thing that you can just based off of the title alone says that you have extensive training and leadership qualities and you know this that and the third. It the, it, it the onus the, then it, it's harder. It's is not the E4. Fair. Is the, the E4 it, getting hold on, hold on. the art the onus <laughs> then goes to that person to they're just gonna have to do more, more work to market themselves. That's all I'm saying. When they're given permission to do so. <laughs> but the sergeant major has doesn't need nobody's permission. Yeah, the officers that. don't need the no permission. True the that. young service members aren't being given. All right, sorry. <laughs> no, hey, no, hey, this is good. This is good. Look, this article right here just talked about uh different things that this lady did that helps that helped set ourselves up. I actually so with we only went two topics and I I left it at those two topics because I knew that there was a lot that we could talk about. There's so much more that we could get into when it comes to the thoughts of helping yourself transition out. I reached out to several of my peers, some that are still in who are on terminal now that are getting out that has some input, some that have been out just as long as Joe and I have, and some that have gotten out fairly recent within, you know, two to three years that still have that military stink on them, if you will. Like for me, you can't tell that I was in the service based off of just how I look and act. At least I don't think so. Joe, same way. You can't look at Joe and tell that he was, you know, um, an uh, army veteran or whatnot. But that's our episode for today. Joe, do you have a word of the day, brother? Always, man. Always. All right. Let's hear it. I'm going to softball this one to you. I'm going to still mess it up. Contrition. Ooh, it's like short for, or that's long for contrite. Um, Contrition. Contrition. Contrition is. Oh, you spell it right off the jump. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Contrition is where you, contrition, contrite. Something shortened, short and straight to the point. Something like that. No. Dang it. No. The state of feeling remorseful or and penitent. Okay, state of feeling remorseful and spell penitent. P E N I T E N T. Okay. Uh see save. So contrite. Contrition. Contrition. State and I I spelled it a little bit wrong, but y'all see it. Y'all get it. State of feeling remorseful and penitent i shouldn't have had the f capitalized on that okay uh how do i use that in a sentence it's a state of being remorseful so uh he he's shown contrition in the statement he provided to the police i mean kind of yeah let's go with that okay (laughs) 
Hold on. I know, I know contrition is like, um, a good example is, is like when you go to uh, church and you do, um, you do uh, the thing where you step in the booth and you talk to the priest. Confessional. That's you, the shit. Yeah. You like, uh, repent. You're in a state of contrition. You're in a state of feeling remorseful. You're be you're you're doing contrition. You're you're confessing your sins. That kind of stuff. Okay. Cool, cool. Hey, look, this has been another episode of the Just Joking Podcast. I appreciate the people that are going to tune in on the replay. We had some people pop in and out on the live stream. Shout out to them. Hope they hit the like button. If you're going to catch us on the replay, hit the like button. If you're listening to this on audio and you want to contribute, shoot an email at just.joe.king.podcast.gmail.com or come on over to Facebook and YouTube and leave us a comment. We read them. All right. We read all of them. That's all I got to say. Joe, do you have anything that you want to close out the show with, brother? Be good to each other, man. That's all you can do. Just be good to each other. Life would be a lot less problematic if you're just good to each other i like it all right we are going to close out the show with that and until next time peace